You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hi kids, welcome in. It's time for another edition of Scatter Shooting. Hi there. I'm your genial host, Randy Renner. And I'm Jeremy Griffin. Yes, it's time again. And I, just some of you may be wondering what this is that I'm wearing. Oh, I know it's what that is. Different. You got it this weekend, huh? Yes. Congratulations. Yes, yes. It stands for New Mexico Junior College. A friend of mine is the assistant women's basketball coach at NMJC. And uh, she's from here in Oklahoma City. Grew up here in the Oklahoma City area. Played at Southern Nazarene. Coached at Southern Nazarene. And has been around. Winning two national championships, by the way. One as a player and one as an assistant coach. And uh, she's out at uh, New Mexico Junior College now. And uh, we were having lunch with her. Oh, back uh, kind of at the end of the um, summer as as we were getting ready to, you know, she was going out to uh, New Mexico Junior College. Her parents still uh, live here. And we were having lunch and a couple of other buddies of mine and hers. And she was talking about how excited she was to be headed out there. New Mexico Junior College is a perennial top 10 team among JUCO uh, women's uh, basketball squads and they've won national championships out there and they always have a really good team and um, so it is also a recruiting hotbed it's a two, uh, obviously a junior college so it's a two-year college so a lot of their players are being recruited by big you know division one school OU OSU other schools throughout the big 12 and around the country Stanford's been out there South Carolina some of the you know other really outstanding basketball programs in the country but anyway, she was talking about some players here in the Oklahoma City area that, that that they're interested in recruiting and all like this. But she was saying, you know, we're six hours away. So, you know, I can't get back up here as much as I want to to be able to look at some of these players. And so me and our other – one of us, Price Morris, who's been on this show, been to the uh, AAU – Final Four three times, winning a national champion, one national championship, and then uh, runner-up uh, twice. And we're looking at each other, and we're going, "Oh, we could go uh, check out some of these games." And she was like, "Really, you guys would do that?" And we're like, "Well, yeah, hmm. you know why not?" So uh, we've been doing that. And then she came in this weekend to, to look at some kids, and she she brought us some, uh, you know, a, a, a hoodie. And uh, everybody's got one, so you know we're her Oklahoma recruiting staff. Look at that! And uh, she were, really was impressed with a couple girls at um, Midwest City, Carl Albert. We were at the Titan Classic. We we're also done in Moore over the weekend. Um, but Cameron Sutton is uh, one of the girls. Uh, the game we happened to go to, she she hit um, seven threes. Wow. And all she didn't miss. Oh, oh wow. well, yes, she did. She missed one uh, at the end of the game. It was kind of a last-second thing, and but she had seven straight three-pointers. Man, and you should have seen right. Uh, you know, she's, um, you know, she hit a couple, and she was like, okay, you know that, and then she'd, you know, fire up another one and hit that one, and then hit another one, and she took three charges also, and so. Uh, she was very impressed with her. She offered her on the spot. Oh, wow, cool. And uh, uh, one of their other guards she'd like to have out there as well. Wow. So we'll see how that uh, turns out. But it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Hmm. And so the other guys, uh, you know, we're doing a couple things. We're helping out a friend of ours, getting some cool uh, gear. Right. And uh, watching some really good basketball. Nice. So, yeah. So that's, that's I fun. did a lot of that over the uh, – over the weekend, and, um, you know, I hunkered so, down last night at the radio station expecting 10 inches of snow and didn't even get below freezing. So, well, you know, hey, there you go. may have an ice storm next week. But so, you're officially yeah. a college basketball scout. Well, sort of. No, it's official. You got a shirt. Well, we, well yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. That's all it takes in my book. Sure. Well, I mean, you know. It's all it takes in anybody's book. Yeah, right? and... Uh, and especially, uh, I mean, you know, 
we've been able to see some players that you know we really like and so who knows they may end up out at uh, new mexico junior college that'd be cool and, they may uh, end up playing in the wnba and nobody will just, hear of them again but it's still yeah, <laughs> it'd be cool yeah you just never know you just never know i mean especially if it's somebody local we'll hear about them sure you know sorta. absolutely yeah i'm sure uh yeah field house will get named after them at some point well at some point a street darn right you know darn right an alley uh thinking of flaming lips alley and flaming lips alley yeah you know that you've made it to the top when you get an alley named after you i'm working on it you know i feel pretty good i've got a mental hospital named after me and oh yeah that's right you You do don't you i'm good with that i think it's apropos Mm -hmm. or appropriate (laughs) is that all that apropos is is it just appropriate i i think it feels like it should be you know i suppose uh, the way that's pronounced it's a it's a french word i guess it could be apropos which of course means appropriate for you americans that's nice that's not bad you know i mean i know you're not french no i'm not well you know actually i do have some well you're french in heritage my my, my mother's name was lavelle which is a french Lori's mom's name was lenoy well there you go there, there you go. I mean, and I, I kind of learned most of my kind of uh, uh, French from um, Pink Panther uh, movies. Yeah, uh, Inspector Clouseau. Yeah. Inspector Clouseau. 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 Yes, yeah. Inspector Clouseau. Which one? <laughs> one of my favorite. Those Pink Panther movies were. Have you ever seen? I any have of seen those? the Pink Panther. Oh, movies. But, very can good. I, but let me just say, it's nowhere near as good as you want it to be because I was under the impression it was going to be the Pink Panther, like the cartoon I watched as a kid. Oh no! And no. I watched the Pink Panther movies also as a kid. There and, is a you know, Pink Panther in the there is the intro. You know when the yeah. music plays. That's it. Pink, yeah. And it's no. like I kept waiting. I'm like, "Where's no, no. when's the Pink Panther going to show up?" It's uh, Peter Sellers. Wasn't it? Wasn't it the jewel? It the- was yes, and I, and I believe the original Pink Panther movie was about the Pink Panther diamond. Yeah, yes. But and I forget which one it was because it was there are several of, of right. them. But in one of the one of the movies, Clouseau is coming up on this guy, and the, the guy is standing there, and there's a little dog by the guy yeah and uh Clouseau comes up and he and he goes he goes uh excuse me uh, does uh, does your dog does your dog bat and the man goes no my dog does not bat and Clouseau reaches down and the dog just goes rawr, 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 yeah. bites his head. You know, he goes, I thought you said your dog does not bite. And the man goes, well, that's not my dog. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I do remember that. Oh, that's gosh. Not my dog. Yes. And, uh, but those are, if you've never seen a Pink Panther movie, you, oh, they're, they're just hilarious. I tell you what, it's like, a, it's a beautiful segue. Uh, into uh, this video I'm going to show. And and the reason why is strictly because of how similar the French accent we've just attempted is to a Russian accent. Really? I mean, okay. it sounds similar. So right. this is something that's kind of interesting. I want to talk about this, and uh, and then we'll see, uh, see where it goes the from here. The members of the Science and Security Board move the hands of the doomsday clock forward, largely, though not exclusively, because of the mounting dangers in the war in Ukraine. We move the clock forward the closest it has ever been to midnight. It is now Don't you 90 love when the seconds to heading midnight. spoils the end result. So 90 <laughs> seconds to midnight. Uh, oh, there's wow. a boom. Okay. Um, so, so y- for our for our listeners and viewers, does everyone know what this club is? Probably think? not. It's Probably been around not. since like the forties, I think, thirties or forties. And basically, it's a bunch of these scientists and uh-huh. and scholars and stuff, and they they've basically built this uh, doomsday clock based on the threat of nuclear annihilation. Now, here's something I find interesting about this because what they would say, I, I don't remember. Like, you can go back and if you go to Wikipedia, you can see kind of the history. I think they started at 15 minutes to midnight, but Bay of Pigs invasion, for example, brought us 
pretty close. I don't know what the number was. One minute to midnight or something. No, it wasn't one minute because 90 seconds yeah, is the She closest. said 90 yeah. seconds is the closest. So maybe three I, minutes I would have or thought, something. You know, the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962 would have brought us to about 10 seconds I agree. to midnight. I, you know, I, this is the thing. I mean, for one, it's the most arbitrary thing in the world. I mean, it means nothing. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a bunch of academics. Right. You know, and they're, you know, I don't know how they do this. You know, okay. They talk. Let's uh, talk. And then, all right, cast your votes. How many yeah. for one minute to midnight? Well, and I think that's, many, yeah. I, you know, like, I, I think oh, it's really? just, the, the, the funny thing about it is, though, is, and this is why I think it's so interesting, is the doomsday clock kind of took a hit after the Cold War. Because it's like, well, I mean, yeah. not really any threat. And it bumped right. way back. Like, I want to say, know, the, like, 20 minutes to midnight the, or something. The uh, Berlin Wall came down. Right. Uh, Gorbachev is, you know, he and Ronnie are uh, buddies and stuff. And yeah. Gorby was coming over here doing appearances on talk shows and no, all, all that kind of stuff. Nobody else had really ICBM capability right. and they had uh, nuclear stuff. So, know. I mean, you know, it was different now. But it's come back, and, and sure. here's the thing: it came back when it came back uh, real recently. Like, the, so they started adjusting it based on climate change, which again was its own little silliness. It's like, well, you're just trying to stay relevant now. But but the thing is, the climate change still. I mean, how do you how do you bring it really close to midnight when it's not impending? You know what I mean? It's not well, like. Well, I mean, it depends on who you talk to. Well, no you know, Al Gore. Al Gore. Once he created the internet, Al Gore, you know, was ready to say the world's going to end 20 years ago. So actually, if you depend on Al Gore, yeah. you know, the clock ought to say 20 minutes after midnight. Well, sure. <laughs> well, dude, that's the thing. Nobody, see here, this is funny. In Christendom, there were people um, predicting the return of Christ and the rapture and all these things. That's been going on for years. And when those people's time comes and goes, they are discredited. And that's a group of people that really don't like to discredit people. But here in the climate change world, the Florida, Texas, I mean, Texas, parts of Texas, Florida, parts of Texas, California, should all be underwater. Oregon, Washington. Right. Yeah. But they're not. Why not? They were supposed to be underwater 20 years ago, like <laughs> you said. And, and you know, it's funny. What was I watching? Oh, I watched, uh, <laughs> and this is far from scientific. I watched Spaceballs the other day. You ever see Spaceballs? Mel Brooks film? You're right. Spaceballs is far, far from scientific. From yes, I have seen Spaceballs. So it was yes. released, I believe, in 1987. And uh, you ever get in those things where you, there's nothing on TV, and so you're just like, I, I, I do what I call movie roulette because we've got about 600 and something movies that we have bought from Apple. Sure, yeah. And so I yeah. just get in there, and I close my eyes, and I scroll, <clears> and then I hit the button. Because I bought it, surely I'm going to be okay watching it. That's not really the case most of the time. But anyway, so Spaceballs was the lucky hit. And uh, it was funny because uh, at the beginning, the princess runs off in this um, flying spaceship car. And it's a... <laughs> DeLorean? Like, no. It's it's a 2001 Mercedes-Benz. Okay. 2001. So, you know, it's... Right now, it's 22 years old, and it was a flying spaceship. So mm -hmm. in '87, where did we think we were going? You know what I'm saying? Well, and, sure. And, and then you, I had you the know. same. I, I had the same ideas. Well, it's like it's like uh, what was it? Uh, Chariots of the Gods and and uh, that book written in the '60s. And Eric von Daniken, he talked about things that they were NASA was expecting to have accomplished by the '80s, like a manned mission right. to Mars. Sure, by the '80s. Right. So all that just to say. They weren't predictions. Those were goals, right? And then you look at the climate change and all of these scientists. And they, here's the biggest issue is they want to believe. In fact, I heard Al Gore. It's so funny you said this because I watched this video just yesterday. He when was he was at the World, World Economic, Economic Forum. Forum. Right. <sighs> what yeah. a waste. I'll tell you what. Um, you know, so, the planet probably uh, is closer to death now because of all those private jets that yeah. those idiots were using well, to fly over there. Let me just tell you, mathematically, we've never been closer to the end of the world than we are today. And tomorrow will be even closer. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and in fact, right now, we're even closer than we were a second ago. Right. Exactly. Sure. Anyway, so, <laughs> but Al Gore's talking, and you're listening to this guy, and you're thinking to yourself, dude, first off, he's ripping everybody there because he said, talking about emissions have not gone down, they've gone up. And I want to go, hey, bro, look at the members of your little World Economic yes. Forum and look at who's missing. 
And the yes. who's missing is why those now first off, that's why the numbers are going up. Second off, who cares? Because quite frankly, you know, one of the uh Massey was talking to uh John Kerry in the Senate. Did you see that video? So it was interesting because Kerry was talking about how scientists have said that the carbon dioxide saturation numbers, uh, the cleanest air that they could find was at 400 parts per million. And he said scientists are saying, you know, 350, anything over that is just critical. And Massey said, well, that's interesting. He said, because uh, for the vast majority of the history of the planet, it's been well over 1,000 parts per million. And then Carrie says, well, that's before humans were here. And he goes, <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. Good point, Senator Carrie. <laughs> yes, that's right. We're crying out loud. And then he goes on, he says, well, there was all sorts of geological things happening at the time. He says, so geology stopped when humans got here? So anyway, point is, is that there's so much wrong in that science. And yet yes. those are the people who were saying, trust us, believe us. We got to do something. Trust us, believe us. Meanwhile, everything that is measurable and somewhat temporal that they've made points about for the last 60 years has not been the case. Right. And he also said in that same, or well, it, it may have been a different same part time of this, frame, but, but the yeah. same time frame, uh, Kerry said that uh, already the world has lost 50% of its yeah. species. Right. And uh, somebody else pointed out, eh, actually, no, it's the number is more like 0.002% of species, right. well short of 50 Percent. Well, he's probably counting the the uh, animals that came and died. Uh, well, before. he's been alive. What, what? I don't know. <laughs> I, it, it's no. See, they, you know, and this is the thing. Most of them lie. And here's here's the other thing that amazes me. You know, and Carrie has been criticized for using private jets right. to fly to various parts of the world to talk about climate change and complaining about things like you know private jets. Right. And he says, well, you know, I buy all these carbon credits and things of that nature. And I'm like, I don't care how many right. carbon credits you buy. Yeah. You could buy them all. The jet that you're using is still spewing yeah. out its exhaust. Here, here's how you know it's so total. So how does that fix here's, anything? Here's how it is total bullcrap. It's total bullcrap because of this. Let's change it from carbon credits and change it to oxygen credits. And let's put that oxygen credits inside a vault. So they're going to get used up. There's there's me and John Kerry and Al Gore and you and, uh, I don't know, uh, somebody else. And we're in the room, Glenn Beck. Let's go with Glenn Beck. Why not? So we're in there, and we've only got so much oxygen, and then it's gone. This Because this is the bill of goods we're being sold. Right, right. right. Yeah. So you only have so much oxygen. And so John Kerry and Al Gore want to carry on a conversation and debate with with uh, Glenn Beck. And they say to us, and we, we, you and I, sane in the room, say, um, stop talking. And they hand us money and say, well, here, we're going to buy some oxygen credits. Well, you and I aren't going to be able to spend that money. Because they're going to use them all the time. If, if what they're saying is true, this is how you know it's a load of crap. And the other way you know it's a load of crap, how many of them have property on the coasts? Probably a lot of them. I would venture to say all climate change politicians have some property they own on a coast. Probably. They uh, they also have property they probably own in the mountains and property. No, yeah, in, I'm sure uh, they have different places. But if you, yes. knew, if you knew this was happening, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't be buying no that. beachfront no. property. No, you wouldn't. I mean, no. it's hard to buy beachfront property now just with hurricanes. Right. Right. But, but it doesn't matter. So th it's, right. it's a load of crap. It's all and, a load of crap. Uh, you know, and, and also, I mean, you know, Al Gore, I, I thought he was going to have a stroke. You know, he was all ranting and raving and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know who one of the biggest polluters in the state of Tennessee is? Al Gore. Al Gore. Yeah. That's where he lives. He has a huge mansion in Tennessee. Right. And, uh, you know, the, you imagine how fast the electric meter is moving out oh, the, outside his house. Sure. But he pays for the carbon credits, right? He pays for the carbon credits, just like John Kerry does. But the, 
pollution or whatever is still, still happening. It's still there. It's still right. there. You know, it doesn't. I mean, there is no magic uh, <laughs> ticket taker up in the sky uh, going, okay, thanks, Al, for your carbon credits. We're going to remove this much carbon from right. the atmosphere right above your house or, you know, whatever, right. because you're and who, spewing it who all Who exactly in the does he buy the carbon credits from? You know, I don't know. I'm not sure how all that works, actually. Yeah, I'd like to buy some You know, that's credits. that's what they always say. Well, uh, I feel I'm like the carbon, carbon credits, credits, I mean, if you consider the fact that we're trying to eliminate carbon, the carbon credit itself is going to be worth a lot as they get rid of most of the carbon. So I don't I don't know. I, that's what they all say. Also, they're going to have to eliminate, uh, they're going to have to eliminate, well, that's their goal, I guess, as all humans. You know, yeah. here's the funny thing about, yeah. about carbon is uh, plants love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yes. Really cool concept here to me to me is if you want to clean the uh, world of all of its uh, polluted air, put more plants out there. Well, that that's kind of what plants do. I know. And uh, so, I, you know, and seems to trees, be good. Uh, yes. Yes. This is the whole idea of terraforming so. another planet. What do they do? They put plants on it because plants just passively fix the environment. Right. You know, they uh, yeah. absorb all the nasty thing and they produce oxygen. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, so it's called symbiosis. It's, I, uh, it, the thing is that nobody really challenges these guys. Well, if you do, you're considered a crackpot. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, I guess I should say nobody in the, what you, we would call the legacy media, right, um, challenges them. You know, they're running their sound bites yeah. and going, oh, you know, what a great American trying to save the planet and all like this. When in reality, it's all like you yeah. said, it's a bunch of BS. Yeah. And, well, you know, and I I believe in climate change. Our climate changes every freaking day. Yeah, it's called weather. It is called weather. And uh, but long term, I mean, things have been changing in the earth since the earth Began. Yeah. Prior to humans, we had ice ages and non-ice ages. Right. They were caused by climate change. Yes. Or yes. climate change the, is the a, definition of what happened. Right. A, a natural process that has always happened and mm. always will happen until maybe this planet isn't Dude, here anymore real, or loses its atmosphere. A real simple reality is this. No matter what we do to fight, quote unquote, climate change, if, uh, if Yellowstone, the Yellowstone caldera goes up, we will probably globally be put into another ice age. Oh, that unquestionably we will. So, Absolutely. So it doesn't matter what we do because I can tell you this, that going nuclear, as it were, will happen way before human beings can yeah. <laughs> affect the climate. Well, the last time, I believe they think the last time the uh, Yellowstone... Super volcano erupted was about 500,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're thinking, hey, you know, it's kind of due. Right. You know, whether that's tomorrow or 50,000 years from now, I certainly hope it's not tomorrow. I don't um, know, man. Simplify life so much. But I, I guess if it is tomorrow, we won't have to. Well, I was going to say we won't have to worry about the ice storm that may be coming next week, but actually yeah, it we may would. be even worse. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the Yellowstone, which it, you know, in case you know, some people might not know, Yellowstone National Park is a caldera of a super volcano. Yeah, and uh, massive, massive, massive. Right, absolutely. And if it were to have an eruption, uh, probably even a small one, but if it were to have a major eruption like it did five hundred thousand years ago. Basically, that entire area, much of Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Utah, wouldn't exist anymore. Right. It would be instantly destroyed. Right. You know, think Mount St. Helens, a million times more right. powerful. Right. Um, and we would feel the effects here, and we would feel it ra rather quickly. And then around the world, that volcanic eruption the ash in the atmosphere would uh quickly 
it would be cloudy all the time. Right. And so the sun basically block out the sun. Right. And would block out, and the, the it would be thicker than what your normal clouds uh, right. are. And uh, clouds are water vapor and right. basically and, transparent. Right. This will be <laughs> this uh, <laughs> volcanic ash. And um, the immediate area around Yellowstone uh, would also be covered in mm. ash. Probably be nutrient rich, though. It Once probably, you, yeah. If you could till but it, it up be, under the ground, it'd be right. Good. <laughs> but that pile of ash, especially in here, you know, might be a mile thick. Right, right, right. And uh, so it it would, um, but yeah, uh, well, I mean, it would be it would be the end of the world as we know it. Right. There would be isolated pockets, probably, in certain areas, depending upon kind of how the the wind currents, you know, uh, yeah. line up, <clears throat> where the damage would be less, mm-hmm. but. Uh, and the climate maybe would be a little bit better. Maybe you wouldn't have quite the the cloud cover or something. But but basically, it would be winter pretty much all the time, right? For several years. Yeah, and 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 you know, outside of the immediate blast zone, it would just be I don't know. I like I said to me or to you earlier. I think that there's a big part of me that likes the simplicity of get up every day, find food, eat it, go to sleep. That's nice. That's what I do. I'll go up, go down Man. to Walmart and get something if I need it. That's good. That's fair. Holy crap. <laughs> what have I been doing? <laughs> All right. So, but if this were to happen, <laughs> you might not be able. I mean, well, certainly if you're yeah. probably most anywhere within the United States, you wouldn't be able to find anything. Well, well, number one, you might not be able to dig your way out of the ash uh, that you're buried under. No, I'd be good here. So, mm. I'd clear it out, make space in the fire pit, invite some friends over, and then fight, figure out which one we're going to cook. I mean, it's as simple as that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we draw straws. All right. You yeah, know, let me just say uh, this. It's good to be late to that event. <laughs> I understand. I understand. But, no, I mean, that... Yeah, you're right. That would that would probably happen. And there's various other things, you know. And the, you know, people say, and I love these things, you know, where people say, "Well, South Florida's never, you know, never experienced water this high." Bull, right? It absolutely has. It hasn't experienced it in your lifetime, right? But it absolutely has, right? Yeah. Just like you know, here in here in Oklahoma, we were where we are right now. Was the bottom of an ocean? Yeah, that's way true. back in the day. Yeah, and so you know, Florida would have absolutely been. It would have been twelve hundred feet lower than us, right? In that ocean, right? Yeah, and so you know, things happen. You know, there was no manufacturing in in those days, and so wasn't really anybody around. You know, to leave a message. Oh, by the way, yeah, yeah, right. water gets kind of high in Florida. <laughs> FYI, guys. And, you know, don't build condominiums on the beachfront. No. And it's hedging uh, your bets. Can we get our return back before it's destroyed? Uh, That's the idea. Yeah, so, there, yeah, so you said a minute ago, go. it's the end of the world as we know it. And there was, a, there was a cat on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day, and he was talking about that with Joe Rogan. And he was talking about Russia and, you know, kind of the geopolitical sphere. Sure. And this was something interesting that I didn't realize, but because of – um, wars and the cold, like the way that Russia has fought wars over the years, Russia has <coughs> thrown generations of people at wars. So as opposed to, I mean, not to say that they're not st- st- or, uh, surgical necessarily, but they just have such a population that they sure. literally, they don't even, they haven't pulled out of a war until they've lost half a million people. Uh, and even then, they don't really pull out of the war. You know, they... Well, some of that's going on, going on right now. Well, this is kind of the point. So he's talking about this. He said, um, Russia, because you had mentioned off air that there was talk of them uh, bombing Berlin. Uh, because what they were trying to do, the, the nuclear threat, this, this guy believes the nuclear threat has been at least placated for a, a reasonable period of time at this point. Because um, the reason to bomb Poland or Germany or... Uh, what was the other uh, place? Anyway, one other place was to 
stop the flow of weapons into Ukraine. That was the primary motive. Uh, but the weapons are in Ukraine now. They have more weapons than they can use in Ukraine. Well, then so. they're getting uh, Abrams some more. Tanks. Yeah. Abrams tanks from, from the United States. But they won't be there for three to four months because right. they have to be prepared and then shipped uh, over there. And uh, the Ukrainians have to be trained in how to operate yeah. uh, M1 Abrams tanks. But Poland will be sending Leopard tanks to Germany. And those tanks... Have uh, also have some German uh, history with them as well, and right. that's what you know. Some in the Kremlin are saying we ought to nuke Berlin right. because they approved Poland right. sending those Leopard tanks to Ukraine. Here's the weird part of all this to me: the guy goes on to say that because of the process, because of how Russia has dealt with these wars, they've had these. I don't remember what he called them, but he, he referred to it as huge scoops taken out of their generational um, tears. And so there are more 50-year-olds than there are 40-year-olds than there are 30-year-olds than there are 20-year-olds and so on. And so he said um, Russia has this just how it is uh, due to the Cold War, due to bad circumstances, economy, things like that. They, they cease to be a country from an ethnic standpoint in 2050 to 2070 because they're just going to run out of people. Well, sort of, so to speak. I mean, not really run out of people, but you know what I'm saying? Right, because they have a they bunch have a, over they have there. a lot of people. Just like China. Right. China has but, a But they're going to basically age out of being a superpower. They may. Uh, I mean, and you know, that's, uh, that's an argument that, um, you, you know, because it, it's been happening in the, in the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. You know, as they lose yeah, thousands and thousands Russians. of uh, young uh, Russian soldiers. And China's and, facing the same problem, by the way, just in a different way. Sure. And uh, with COVID. Right. Uh, with COVID. You know, they have... They have five variants circling through right now in China. Well, it's pretty much their fault. So, it's pretty, uh, it's exactly mean, you know, their so, fault. So, uh, I hate to be blunt, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, them and the, all the money that... Uh, Dr. Fauci uh, supplied them in uh, helping their research uh, in uh, all of this. Um, but so all of that's going on, and uh, the tanks will be headed over. The, those Leopard tanks will be operational sooner, obviously, than ours because right. Germany and Poland are a lot closer to Ukraine than uh, than what we right. are. And so the Russians aren't uh, are not happy about uh, any of that. So we'll see if that... If they bomb Germany, it's all over. If they bomb any NATO country, it's all over. Yes. And uh, so, I, you know, if um, this, it, it is, if, if, the, if the Russians actually do attack Berlin with a nuclear missile, bomb, you know, whatever, then, um, then yeah, it's, it is. Because, I mean, you know... Full the, nuclear release. That's what becomes Probably, inevitable. Yeah. Because you're going to you're going to have a retaliatory strike, you're going to have a retaliatory strike and it's not going to be retaliatory in measure. It's not going to be oh, one bomb hit Germany, we'll send one bomb into Russia. It uh, will you know, that's that's my but you know, you just never know how this is going to all play out. But uh, you know, if they and you know and and uh this guy is talking about a high uh, a high-profile uh, friend of uh, Vladimir Putin demanded that Berlin's Bundestag parliament should be reduced to radioactive ash in retaliation. So that would be basically as if the, the as if the Russians had sent a missile into the Capitol building in Washington D.C. The Bundestag parliament is that in Germany. Right. And so one would think that the, a retaliatory strike (laughs) would be launched against the Kremlin in Moscow. I would imagine. Right. And they're not going to sit around while that happens. And so, (laughs) yes, they would fire off. The Russians would fire off and you would think they would attack. You know, I mean, because once, once you have not used a, Tactic, a small tactical nuke to do something directly on the battlefield yeah. 
to wipe out a brigade of tanks or something, that you've sent a missile into the parliament building in Berlin. Yeah. You might as if you're the Russians, you might as well fire off everything. Drop it all. Well, because yeah. you're you figure you're going to be massively retaliated against. Right. By the allies. Right. Because I, I don't see, I mean. I, I think, I don't think it'll happen, but the, the U.S. No, I don't think it'll happen either, well, but no, I, I, I it's not say, beyond the realm of possibility, <laughs> though. No, I, I do think what you just said is going to happen. What, what I was about to say is what I don't think is going to happen. I don't think that um, the U.S., uh, they wouldn't have to do anything. I think they would. We would. I don't know how to say that because I don't like to claim our governmental structure is a part of my own. But um, I don't think there's any way that the U.S. doesn't intervene, but they wouldn't have to. And if they didn't, they the U.S. would probably be better off. Well, I wouldn't say enough, that. Well, because in my opinion, uh, as kind of as I said there, if, if the Russians launch a nuclear attack on... Germany, yeah, on the Parliament building in Berlin, right? Then I think a lot of people in power in Washington would have to assume that the missiles are about to be launched toward Washington, also, and London, and Paris, and various other places. Because, but here's a, if, here, here, if the here Russians well, are crazy enough to nuke Berlin, right? Don't you think they're crazy enough to nuke Washington, Paris, yeah. London, New York? And here's what I would say: <laughs> that's not. If that was the case, they would have done it all at once. It, well, and maybe they I, will. That's what I'm saying. Like what I'm what I'm getting at is, if you just if if just a bomb goes off in Berlin, then no, I don't think it's automatic <laughs> because a bomb went off. Well, see, I'm saying, and, and I agree, I agree. What I'm saying, if they launch a missile or fly an airplane into there, now, if somebody's got a suitcase dirty bomb, right. that's a different deal. It is a different deal. That's a different deal. Deniability is in that. Yes. But, I mean, there's not a lot of di deniability available if you launch a... ICBM. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They can kind of tell uh, where it came from. Right. They can tell where it came from. And so... Uh, if that happened, but see, I don't, I really don't buy into that the Russians would do that. I think if Putin decided he wanted to do that, yeah. that there would be people that would stop it. Yes. So maybe, but, but here's the other thing. People in Russia. I mean, I'm not yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah. you know, yeah. that, yeah. you know, yeah, he, you hear somebody's sometimes. Somebody's got to turn the key, right? Well, right. I just watched war games the other day. Too, yeah, I think they, really I think they do. I mean, here in the United States. You now they don't. I don't think. Uh, you know, you used to have to have two people. Yeah, I think the president and, uh, and then another person authenticates or something. I don't know. Yeah. But but here's the deal. So so the thing is, what I said earlier, if if the Russians have it on authority that they're gone, that they are no longer a nation <laughs> for all intents and purposes. I think that Putin absolutely would just go, well, going out with a bang. Well, I take the whole world with us. Sure. And uh, at that point, uh, he probably would want to do that. But that's when I, I would hope that, and some of his hardline uh, generals and others in his government would probably agree with that. Yeah, exactly. But, but I'm hoping that there is enough. Jack Ryan's out there. Yeah, that uh, they would <laughs> that that they wouldn't do that. That there would be somebody there who would stop it. Well, so we'll as long see. As, as I, long you know, as Daniel Craig's still around, I think we've got a chance. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he could come in and do something cool. Uh, well, honestly, all we really need to do is bring Chuck Norris out of retirement. He'll stop any sure. ICBM that's on its yeah, way yeah, in, and then yeah. some. There you go. Did you uh, know that when Chuck Norris goes out, the sun puts on sunglasses? He's such a big star, yeah, a bright uh, star. Blinds the sun. Walker, Texas Ranger. You know, there's a Chuck Norris Museum. Well, there used to be. I don't know if it's still there. Down in Wilson, Oklahoma. Yeah. Because Chuck Norris uh, grew up, at least spent some years in Wilson, Oklahoma, yeah. as a uh, child. 
And uh, Walker, Texas Ranger was a big-time show back in the day, one of the most popular ones CBS uh, yeah. had. I guess I just have never been a CBS guy because I've never watched one episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. Isn't that weird? No, not necessarily. Well, I know it's not as weird as you never having seen a John Wayne movie. Well, that's, now that's kind of weird. That's probably true. Um, but now I almost feel like I'm just never going to watch one on purpose. Oh come on! Just you know, on here's it. what we need to do. <laughs> one of these days, uh, we need to have we we need to have a, a a movie day or a movie night over here. Yeah, we could do and, that. And, uh, you know, I'll come over. We'll get Tom Miller over here, a couple other people. You know, we'll fix up some chili and some beers or whatever. And, you know, we'll pick out, you know, a really good John Wayne movie let's for do you it to at, watch. Let's do it at Jim's house. He's Maybe. building this big theater room, for goodness sake. Okay, Jim's. Or we could do it you know, at Tom, Tom, Miller's. Tom Miller's house. Yeah, we got, I don't know why. Yeah. It's something Mine's like that. actually yes. the least house. Right, <laughs> yes. What am I thinking? <laughs> um, no, we need to do that either over at Tom's house or, or so uh, Jim's house. So that's it. What What would be the one? What would If I can only watch one John Wayne movie. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Exactly. See, this is a, this is something we, we have to Well, resolve. we probably can't have just one. Well, no, but, man, uh, but the end John of the world Wayne could movies be. are like Lay's potato chips. Uh, okay. Can't have just one. Well, here, here's a... <laughs> That's dumb. Yeah, you can. <laughs> well, you know, Pringles, like, you can't have more than just one or less than one. Okay, no. Okay, here you can't have less than one. That's the dumbest thing I've ever said. Okay, well, you can have you less can than have one. less than one. Um, you never open the box. We just invented the number zero. There you go. How, how, yeah. how long? Do you know that that is something that was invented? Like we didn't have the number zero for many many years as a human race. Anyway, that's another show. It's not, actually. It's this show. This is where we'd get off track, but I'm not going to. Because I do want to know, if I'm not going to watch a John Wayne Western, so take all Westerns out, which limits the number of movies quite a bit, what John Wayne movie would you have me watch? Uh, well, Sands of Iwo Jima is really, really good. I was going to guess something in the Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> the Pacific um, Theater. That's a, that's a really good John Wayne movie. I mean, uh, but I mean, uh, and there were uh, others. Flying Tigers was uh, good. That's about uh, uh, in harm's way is really good as well. So what Kurt we have Douglas to do is in that. So we have to do uh, this. We have to. So we'll have to do the show. We'll have to do a movie, and then we'll have to immediately go into a podcast with everybody and talk about the movie. And we could do that, yeah. and then just say, okay, this yeah. is. This was my take, and this is where now everybody why gets to rest. Is, is this, do you just not want to watch a, a Western, or? Well, I generally don't care much for Westerns, uh, which is saying a lot since I made it through 1883 and 1923 to this point. And, I like and you're about to watch into uh, Yellowstone Yeah, but Yellowstone's as, as not well. quite a Western. It is a Western. Well, you're right about that, yes. Because it's still, it's set in modern day. They have cell phones, for goodness yeah, sake. Yeah, yeah. It's on a ranch in Montana, right? And but I a lot no, of it happens and he, and off this of is, the ranch. This is the thing: I have no problems with with cowboys. It's westerns, and honestly, I think a big part of it is I, I don't like the J frame guns, and I don't like lever action. I don't mind lever action; I think they're they're neat in their own nostalgic way. But I just the weaponry in it, the action, the cowboys are fighting in chaps. It doesn't make sense, man. It's like I don't know. It makes sense. I just not ugh, everything's all yellow. Dirty. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm just trying to figure out why I don't like westerns. I don't know why you don't. I like don't either. Westerns. I don't. Well, let me just you say know, this. Them, Generally speaking, I don't like period pieces at all. Okay. I mean, in fairness, um, like you can't. Like, in fact, I will tell you this: I would rather watch a western than a movie in the roaring. 20s or 30s whenever that flapper dress oh yeah yeah me too Ugh. but i like i really like uh westerns and a lot of obviously a lot of john wayne's greatest movies are westerns i mean there's one called the searchers maybe. that may be the uh best john wayne movie of all time well then why and wasn't because it, oh, it was a western it's a we yeah it was a western <laughs> that's why, why i didn't pick it because it was a western and then, of course, I mean, there's True Grit also, where he yeah. won the Academy Award for playing Rooster Cogburn. Uh, you know, maybe it's because I spent summers at Frontier City here in Oklahoma 
and there was just a lot of, you know, West. Frontier stuff. City really doesn't have anything to do with the Wild West. Well, it kind of does. It's called Frontier City. It's all about the frontier. There's gunfights. There were no roller coasters in the Wild West. There was well, no, there were, no none yes, of those there was. spinning no. teacups or Man, whatever. There aren't spinning teacups at Frontier City. There's something spinning because I about threw up it's on it one time. It's a tilt-a-whirl. It's not the same okay. thing. Well, no, but they had they roller coasters. Either. They had, they had uh, you know, coal mines and gold mines and all okay. those things with the carts all and the right. tracks. All right. But the that, Okay. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense out of a irrational reality. It doesn't make sense that I don't like westerns. I mean, they have. I was thinking about this. In fact, this would be like part of my my ADHD lack of train of thought while watching some of the slower parts of 1883. Is I'm sitting there going, now why is it that I don't like this? And it wasn't the slow parts. It was like, okay, this has got action. Part of it is this. Um, listening to Elsa. Uh, narrate, and I've talked about this before, especially in both of the both of the series. At some point, you're just like, listen, you're you're really you're too poetic for me right now, like too poetic. I don't believe you ever really talk like that. This is, and maybe that's part of it. I think that the westerns generally have been romanced or romanticized. Uh, absolutely, they have. And, yes. And I want if I, I, I think for me, it's like I want it to be real. Like for example, how many women had really clean dresses in westerns I've seen? No, they don't. There ain't no way the bottom of those dresses are even kind of clean. Right. Bottom of my jeans ain't clean, and I live in the city. Right. Right. No, yeah, they absolutely they absolutely have been romanticized. Now there have been some uh, westerns that were much more uh, real. I bet that new film. <laughs> but that, sorry, I bet that new film Baldwin was working on was pretty authentic. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry. No, there, there. You know, there was a. Uh, TV show was on, um, it was Showtime, I think, or maybe it was, but it was called um, Deadwood, I believe. Is Yeah, and, Deadwood. Uh, and it was really, really good. And it was a little more accurate into how things were. You know, a lot of the dirt streets, you know, because it was in Deadwood, South Dakota, you know, coming out of the winter, the streets, you know, were mud uh, and, yeah. you know, mud and other stuff mixed in because, you know, horses and cattle were, you know, going uh, down there. And then so some of them are, you know, and, and with the Taylor Sheridan Westerns, 1883, now 1923, a lot of detail a lot of thought has gone into what is being worn by the cast yeah and they go to great pains to say okay this is what they were wearing this is all authentic styles that they were wearing the clothes that they were wearing and a lot of the west and a lot of the john wayne uh movies yeah. westerns some of that wasn't as authentic as it See, you know, could have speaking been. of, I, I think too the way that ladies acted in uh, women acted in, in in at least 1923 so far, I feel like is a, an over representation of forwardness because you know the I don't think in either of these cases I don't remember when women won the right to vote uh, suffrage. What year was that? I remember? believe it was 1921. Okay, so. So we're talking about right Could in the be cusp, wrong about that, right in the cusp of that time frame when the, on 1923, 1923, yeah. And yet you have a a demeanor of the women in in that film and 1883 really of absolute women's current modern day feminism. I would I would say it's represented pretty prominent from a standpoint of aggression, maybe like the girl the girl that was. Uh, uh, really like just left her husband for Spencer, like on a whim, like she's just a super forward. Is that how all girls were in the 1920s? Cause every movie I see, you know what? I'm like going to respond to that with kind of a, a bad answer here. <laughs> Do I need to bleep something? <laughs> no, okay. no, but I'm just going to say, you know what? I don't know. I well, wasn't yeah, alive I then. 
But, I don't know. Yeah, why. I, don't, I don't know what what they were. Well, of course. Like. But you just I'm historically guess, though, you think I'm they would I'm going to guess be. though that they are similar to women today. By that I mean mm-hmm. it depends on the woman. Yes, it depends on the woman. I'll, I'll concede that one because I, I think you have. It, are uh, those are those the actors that were are reversed? They play an English an, an American character that's actually a British. Well, the woman uh, that you're the talking about, who and she wasn't quite married yet. No, she they wasn't. Were, she was about to get married, yeah. and she left him at the altar, so to speak. She, my understanding is, she is an American, a, an American playing. A uh, British girl, British, but is Spencer? Uh, I don't know. Don't I know haven't. About him. I, I was thinking I it was know. it was the when I was recalling the story you told me, I was thinking I wondered if it was them as a couple. They were both reversed. no, and I I didn't uh, I didn't mention Spencer in that conversation. I talked about her, and I I said usually it's a British. Uh, an, a, a, a native of Great Britain right. who is speaking with an American accent. That's and right. I brought yeah. up some of the guys, like the Charlie, guys. Uh, although Charlie Hunnam is Australian, I believe, who was in uh, Sons of Anarchy. That's right. And, uh, you know, there, uh, it, it, Kelly Riley, who plays Beth in Yellowstone. Mm. You know, she's British, mm. but she's speaking as. Beth Dutton from Montana, hmm. and uh, but in this case, the female actress, and I forget, you know, her name. She is an American playing a Brit. Also, I so would just like to say, different. there's no way Harrison Ford survived what happened to him. There's no way. You and obviously haven't seen the previews of the next episode of uh, no, I 1923. I haven't, but here's the I thing. I don't want to burst your bubble. Don't have but. to. But there's no way. What I'm saying is even, you know. Well, eventually he dies. Well, of course, eventually he sure. dies. But what I'm saying is he wouldn't have <laughs> left the freaking ground. Oh, I see That's what, what you're I'm saying. saying. Oh, there's okay. no way he would have well, survived leaving the freaking See, here's day. See, we kind of got into this last week when we were, you were talking about why didn't they just take the train? <laughs> I well, know. The, the reason is the same. Same thing. One of the reasons they didn't no. just take the train is because it wouldn't be a good film. It wouldn't be right. So, exactly. so here's the deal, though. And you're not going to kill off it's Harrison already, Ford in the fourth episode. They sure did in Star Wars. Well, sort of in the pre, in the, the reboot. Never mind. They didn't really. But my point is this: it, this ruins the show. You want to be transported into fantasy land. Yeah. And fantasy land has to be realistic or you don't well, believe it. I will I will say this. I mean, there have been... It was a freaking Tommy gun shooting 45 ACP. And, and he well, went... Well, one of those would have killed him in that time yeah, frame. Yeah, yeah. He had like 28 right. bullets in him. Right, yes. He ain't freaking Superman. No, yeah, you're right. He probably... He absolutely <laughs> would have. Because, you know, it would have taken forever... To, it would have taken forever, first of all, to get word yeah. to the doctor, hey, we right. need you at the ranch. He wouldn't have made it and that then, night. you know, for the that's doctor the other, to man, get out there. That's the other bull but, crap. The doctor gets no, there. They yes, left the town. I know. They had to spend the I night. Know, I know. Okay. I know. Sorry. But, I, you know, it wouldn't, You. It, it, it's, you just have to put up with that stuff. No, movies are fake and I'm sick of it. <laughs> <sighs> Hey, just real quick, because I never got clarity on this. So, so on John uh, John Dutton, who was shot and uh, and uh, lost his now, which line. John Dutton are you talking about? You're not talking about Kevin Costner, John Dutton, or are you? No, I am not, because I haven't seen that version. Oh, no, that's right, you haven't yeah. seen it. So, so the John. So my my question oh, is this: oh, oh, is, okay. what is the John Dutton who died next to Harrison Ford that day? Whose whose son is getting married, right? It was John Dutton's son who was getting married to the blonde chick who got shot in the gut. Uh it's the only marriage on eighteen eighty three. No, I know. I know what I'm I'm trying to remember So that his because but it was John Dutton, the one that died yes. in you know what, episode three or four of nineteen twenty three. Is, that, is the son of Tim McGraw and Thank Faith you. Hill. That's what I wanted to know. John and Margaret right. Dutton. So here's what frustrated me. Another side note to all this. Man, and Spencer Spencer is also. He's the brother the, to John. 
Yes. The son, right. the son the, of... Another son. Another of, son. Yes. Which they clearly had after getting to Montana. Correct. Had to because yes. he wasn't there. Right. Um, so with all that said, this is the thing that I will say, uh, Taylor Sheridan, you know, in all your success, please listen to this. <laughs> no, but man, they needed to spend a little more time with John, John's character, because you have a whole prequel over here and the right. only people left from it you basically ignored in 1923 right yeah yeah you barely even no, yeah. know he's there yeah, yeah. you have to do difficult math and ask a question on no, your yeah, buddy's yeah. podcast yeah to you're find right out. <laughs> no yeah you're right you're right that frustrating and me. i'm i'm sure there'll be another jump when they move to into the well, 40s or 60s or whatever as the long next as they, one is. is don't, you don't have to spend a whole dang episode. You can spend five minutes of a scene getting me there. You know what I'm saying? Well, Just how do you know? Well, I mean, you know, there may be some of this come out because, you know, you have, well, that's like, fair. if you, like, for those of us who have watched Yellowstone, there's things happen in Yellowstone yeah. that you're kind of like, wow, I wonder what the backstory is on that. Well, you're getting it. You find out a lot about the backstory in 1883. Yeah. And now you're finding out a little more about the backstory in 1923. So, and some of yeah. this, some of this is why, and it's part of the way Taylor Sheridan is weaving this whole thing. Because in Yellowstone, uh, Kevin Costner's character and the family, they're, they are, they take it to the extreme to save the ranch and yeah. the land that the ranch is built on. Yeah. And a lot of people who have grown up in places other than Montana or Oklahoma, Texas, out in the West. I mean, here in Oklahoma, we have a lot of generational people, you right. know, whose great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents homesteaded the land on which, you know, they may still live, and sure. a lot of them do. But you're one of the reasons that the Dutton family of today in, at on the Yellowstone TV show, one of the, you're finding out, you know, you, you some people, especially if they're raised in the city, you know, they're just kind of going, what's the big what? deal? What's right? What's the big deal? Yeah. Or even people that live in the suburbs, like, well, geez, I, I have an acre. I have five acres of land here. And, well, geez, I wouldn't kill anybody. I mean, you know. Well, as they build this whole thing, you know, you're seeing that the family lost their lives. Several members of the family, going back generations, lost their lives protecting the land and securing the land and all, and all like this. And so today's Yellowstone characters want to keep that because their ancestors, their ancestors are buried in that right. ground. Right. Just, 150 you know, year legacy. Right. Right. And so when you see some of this, you know, it kind of reinforces the, this is why they want to, go to extraordinary lengths <laughs> when you watch Yellowstone you will see that there are some extraordinary lengths that they go to to preserve the ranch yeah. and they're still doing that I have and you if you have problems with the ways things are happening in 1923 and 19 and 1883 that this doesn't make sense, or they wouldn't have done it. To, wait till you get to Yellowstone, big wow. boy. There, there's well, going to be some things will, that you're like, whoa. I will say this. I, I have contextually figured out what it means to take someone to the train station. I have contextually figured it out and haven't even watched it yet. But I've seen enough clips and enough comments and whatnot. So it's like, okay. Which I feel like, and I have to go back and think about this, but I feel like there was a little one, maybe one line in one of those older one, the the eighteen eighty three or nineteen twenty three, where that. I think was it was the nineteen twenty three. Yeah. Nineteen nineteen twenty three, and uh, where, you know, you had uh, something, and it's come up in Yellowstone before, also with, yeah. you know, flashbacks to mm. earlier. But uh, Daddy used to say we're going to take him to the train station kind of crap. Yes. 
Well, right. There right. you go. Well, that's maybe by next episode, next time I'll have dove into Yellowstone. And Jim well, I can't have to wait. I, I I can't wait to to uh, hear your thoughts on, uh, on 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 that. I mean, it's really. But it's all re- it's all really well done and fascinating to watch. Yeah. Tulsa King, I watched all of it too. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched all of Tulsa King. I thought it Hated was. the ending. I, I, Hated the ending. I, uh, well, you know, we'll, I, you know, sort hopefully of there'll be another season of yeah. Tulsa King, and we'll see where that takes us. All right, uh, that'll do it for us. And uh, I'm Randy Renner. I'm Jeremy Griffin. And we'll uh, see you next week, and uh, we'll continue our. Yellowstone conversations. I'm sure we'll see whether it's under our by next week. They start a three-game homestand tonight. Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks in town. Who knows? Maybe they'll be in fourth place in the Western Conference by this time next week. They're only two and a half games out of fourth place going into the game tonight. All right. Have a great rest of the day. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.